bet that anything can happen here in the World Wrestling Federation, but now more than ever, truer words have never been spoken. This is a conscious effort on our part to open the creative envelope, so to speak, in order to entertain you in a more contemporary manner. Even though we call ourselves sports entertainment because of the athleticism involved, the key word in that phrase is entertainment. The WWF extends far beyond the strict confines of sports presentation into the wide-open environment of broad-based entertainment. We borrow from such program niches like soap operas, like the days of our lives, or music videos such as those on MTV, daytime talk shows like Jerry Springer and others, cartoons like the King of the Hill on Fox, sitcoms like Seinfeld, and other widely accepted forms of television entertainment. We in the WWF think that you, the audience, are quite frankly tired of having your intelligence insulted. We also think that you're tired of the same old simplistic theory of good guys versus bad guys. Surely the era of the superhero who urged you to say your prayers and take your vitamins is definitely passe. Therefore, we've embarked upon a far more innovative and contemporary creative campaign that is far more invigorating and extemporaneous than ever before. However, due to the live nature of Raw and the War Zone, we encourage some degree of parental discretion as it relates to the younger audience allowed to stay up late. Other WWF programs on USA, such as Saturday Morning Livewire, and Sunday morning superstars where there's a 40% increase in the younger audience, obviously, however, need no such discretion. We are responsible television producers who work hard to bring you this outrageous, wacky, wonderful world known as the WWF. Through some 50 years, the World Wrestling Federation has been an entertainment mainstay here in North America and all over the world. One of the reasons for that longevity is as the times have changed, so have we. I'm happy to say that this new vibrant creative direction has resulted in a huge increase in television viewership, for which we thank USA Network and TSN for allowing us to have the creative freedom. But most especially, we would like to thank you for watching. Raw and the War Zone are definitely the cure for the common show. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to the Reduced Lunch Action Sports News Desk. This would not be your regular show. All right, we're here for a very important show. A special editions, as uh, some of some people would say, uh, to all of our wrestling fans, all of our our diehard wrestling fans from back in the day, wrestling fans right now. If you got wrestling in your blood, this show is for you. We're here to document, discuss, conversate, laugh, holler, whatever you want to <laughs> say uh, regarding uh, about the Attitude Era. Attitude Era is celebrating uh, almost 25 years. Next year will be 25 years since the birth of the Attitude Era. So we're going to break it all down. These uh, days were uh, the people in this room are glory days, as yeah. you would call it, with wrestling. Definitely. All right. So once again, I'm your man, Desiree L. Hicks Jr., one of your favorite sportsologists back in the building. And this your man, Black. We back for another special edition episode. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And we got we got a special guest, man. Somebody who is very knowledgeable, very crafty, and who does someone who deserves to be in this room. Uh, as we discuss the history of the Attitude Era, PJ Durrell, how's it going, my man? All right, what's going on, everybody? Good, good. Ready man. to talk some wrestling? Yes, sir. Good to have you, man. The what's Rock going? understands we, what took place oh, the sorry. night you we got. We got a video playing, <laughs> and I'm not aware of what that video is. But yeah, we're here to talk about the Attitude Era, man. We're gonna have a lot of fun. Looking forward to it very much. So, all right, so um. On the on a regular format of the uh, of the sports desk, man, we uh you know we do the start bitch and cut. We're gonna keep that. 
we're going to keep that uh, for this episode right here, man. So we're going to play, instead of our regular theme music, we're going to play some, we're going to pay homage uh, to some of the great music, man. So before we get into our start, bench, or cut, let's uh, turn on one of these Attitude Era tunes. Are you ready? Hey, think you can tell us what to do? You think you can tell us what to wear? You think that you're better? Well, you better get ready. Bow to the masters. Break it down! Who's sports Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Playing a little D-Generation yeah. X, one of the uh, <laughs> highlighted and heralded factions uh, in the Attitude Era. So, all right, man, let's get right to it. Um, this is going to be a real good one, man. I, I think this is going to be kind of hard. It's kind of hard for me. I still don't know who I'm going to say for this, but let's go ahead and get to it. So, Black. Huh. Let's see what you got with this, man. Star, bench, a cup. We're going to go down the tag team division uh, in the Attitude Era, man. So we're going to kick it off with multiple-time tag team champions of the world, the New Age Outlaws. Number two, we're going to go Edge and Christian. Edge and Christian, number two. And number three, we're going to go Team Extreme. We're going to go to Hardy Boys. So we got the New Age Outlaws, Edge and Christian, and the Hardy Boys. Yes, I know this is tough, but that's why I asked. So Black, talk to me. Yeah, talk to me, Black. Who we starting? Who we benching? And Black, what tag team are you telling? We don't need you tonight. Mm. It really kills me to leave this team out. I'm going to feel bad for leaving them out. But I have to. Like Okay. But I'm going to start Team Extreme, the Hardy Boys. Mm. I'm going to bench the New Age Outlaws, and I'm going to cut Edge and Christian. Mm, okay, okay. PJ, get in there, man. Same, uh, same for you. Who you starting, who you benching, who you cutting, man. All right, so I'm going to start the New Age Outlaws. Mm. I'm going to bench. Hardy boys. Mm. And I'ma cut you think you know me. Edge and Christian. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you kinda rolling with black. You kinda rolling with black. Um for me, I'm gonna start the Hardy Boys. I'm gonna start the Hardy Boys. I'm going to bench the New Age Outlaws. <laughs> and I am also uh, very, very heartfeltly yes, cutting it's hard, bro. Uh, Edge and Christian because those gentlemen oh, uh, were exceptional. They, they really, yes, they, were. they really did it right. All right, man. So that was fun. I figured that would be hard. Yeah, that uh, was a hard one. Now, yeah. yeah. that's been the best one so far. Yeah, I figured that would be a yeah, tough yeah, one. Yeah, I've been doing one. some research and that came across. I said, let me see what them boys got to say about this. Uh, but before we continue on, man. The Rock understands what took place. The night you won King of the Ring, you got down on your knees, put your little hands together, and you said a prayer, and it sounded like this. Oh, dear God. (laughs) You see, my name's Billy, and I just won King of the Ring, 
But there's one problem. Everybody still thinks that I absolutely suck. And then at that point, Billy, your house started to shake, the heavens opened up, and God himself spoke to you and said this, Bob, but my name's Billy. It doesn't matter what your name is. His very first move as the executive was to sign Lamar Odom. Who is on crack? Do you smell what the rock is cooking? So this is gonna be fun. Very excited. We've been plotting. We've been we've been uh, putting this together for quite some time now. I know I've been probably been telling PJ for three months now. <laughs> we're going to be, right. be doing the Attitude Air episode, but we are here and we are doing it now, man. So we're gonna continue on with the show, man. We're gonna get into our top five. Uh, we're gonna give our top five Attitude Attitude Era superstars of all time. So we're gonna take a break from the regular uh, top five music, man. We're gonna play. Uh, something a little bit different. No chance, so that's what you got. <laughs> up against a machine too strong. Pretty politicians buying souls for real song. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So we're paying a little homage to Vinnie Mac, Mr. McMahon. All right, man. So let's get into it. Our top five attitude era superstars of all time. Black, talk to me, man. Give me your five. Give me your five top five, man. Yeah, for man. And this, and this, this was fun, man. I had to went back and looked at a few things of my favorite wrestlers that I had in that uh, attitude era. At number five, I got the Godfather. <laughs> Come aboard the whole train. As my homeboy D would say, Pippin ain't easy. Pippin ain't easy. <laughs> <laughs> and then at number four, I got Al Snow. If, if okay. no one remember Al Snow, mm. he used to walk around with the uh, mannequin head. Yeah, head. Well, I call him Mr. Hardcore as well, too. So yeah, yeah, I got yeah. him at number four. I got, at number three, I got D-Generation X as a whole. Okay. At number three. Okay. And then at number two, I have The Rock. Mm. And then at number one, I have Stone Cold Steve Austin. Is that correct? Okay. Pretty solid list. Pretty solid list. PJ, talk to me, man. Give me your top five attitude era All right. uh, superstars. All right. So I'm, I'm going to do things a little different. You know what I'm saying? Um, I'm going to omit The Rock and Stone Cold uh, just because it's a given. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't talk about the attitude era without those two. Sure. Absolutely. So it wouldn't be fair because it's a whole... Is whole many other great sure. uh, superstars out so there. So much talent, yeah. So, you know, I'm gonna start off with uh, number five, Shawn Michaels. Um, okay, he, he was the the father of Degeneration X. Sure. Um, even though he was, even though he was um, at the, he he only participated in a little bit of the Attitude Era. Right. You know, he was still a part of it. Sure. So. We're going to give him Shawn Michaels. Okay. Uh, number two, Triple H. Mm. Um, Degeneration X. Mm-hmm. 
number three, I got uh the brood as a whole. Like I, I love um the entrance music. Beautiful. I love the you know pouring blood on people. Yeah. Like <laughs> that. Cool. Yeah. Like the blood. Every, everything about the brood was just dope. Yeah. Um. Number two, the Undertaker. Um. Mm. In particular, I like the Ministry of Darkness Undertaker because oh, okay. that's different. That that was that was. That's that was the best version of Undertaker yeah, ever yeah, because yeah. he was because he was actually like you ain't seen Undertaker like try to like you know kill people or mm-hmm. sacrifice people mm-hmm. or do do none of the crazy stuff they do and um number one is Mick Foley oh okay that's what's up that's what's up that's three, what's up the three faces of Foley that's what's up I I, I like that one. Do you smell what The Rock is cooking? All right, so for me, at number five, I have Mr. McMahon. Mm. I have Mr. McMahon's character at number five. Uh, We're going to get into more of Mr. McMahon uh, as we uh, go throughout this show. At number four, The Godfather. Time to take a hop (laughs) on the whole train. (laughs) Yeah, man, he was... He, he, it's, it's, we were just talking about this the other day, me, Fred, and Black. Like, it's crazy how he was accepted. That role was accepted. That character was able to live as long as it did because it sure wouldn't be able to live at this day and day, this day and age. Uh, number three, Shawn Michaels, the heartbreak kid. Like PJ said, Shawn was only a part of the Attitude Era for maybe the first quarter of it, but his impact of it, um, he really set the tone. Him, Triple H, China, Degeneration X really set the tone for it going forth. Number two, the rattlesnake, Stone Cold, Steve Austin. All I can do is think of the word defiant. Defiant, defiant, defiant with Stone Cold Steve Austin. And it was something a lot of people in the world wanted uh, to see an employee yes. get after their boss <laughs> in that manner, man. And then number one, of course, my favorite guy of all time, The Rock, Rocky Mike. Yeah, the blue chipper. Um, huge fan. The transition that The Rock had at that time going into the Attitude Era is the beginning of him. It's the beginning of his character, getting into the Nation of Domination, him taking a hold of uh, his, his, his character, his personality coming through. He just ran with it. The, to me, I, you could go Ric Flair or you can go The Rock. Who is the best ever on the mic? I'm going to go The Rock. Uh, because real time live, they had more live shows. It was just they off did. the top of the head. The Rock was really freestyling. He was really freestyling right, uh, right there live um, on these shows, man. So I'm gonna go to Rock number one all time. All right, guys. Before we continue on, let's play a little clip. Ironically, it's time once again for everybody to come aboard the. Father be pimping hoes. Man, I want you to roll a fatty for this pimp daddy. Light that blood up inside. Yeah, man. Shout out to the Godfather. I knew Black would appreciate that one, man. Shout out to the Godfather. You gonna be seeing me and Black walk around here with some Godfather t-shirts. Who you telling, boy? God. Uh, Paying some respect. Paying some respect to the Godfather. Come aboard, the who. <laughs> yeah, I knew I knew you would get a kick out of that, man. All right, man. So I'm gonna run through briefly a quick setup of the Attitude Era. All right, so back in November of 1997, uh, Vince McMahon 
um, came on national television, addressed the WWF, WWE audience, letting us know that they hear us. Um, they're going to be doing a lot of creative changes. A lot of things are going to be happening. We're going to be seeing new stuff, edgier stuff. They're going to be with the times. So McMahon addressed uh, the WWE uh, nation. Uh, as you heard at the opening of the show. So that's what I was playing. That is the address that McMahon had uh, to kind of somewhat lay the foundation that change was coming as a result of the Attitude Era. So how did this, what's the official date for the Attitude Era? What's the official moment for the Attitude Era? Well, it was day. It was deemed as the Montreal Screwjob mm -hmm. uh, Survivor Series 1997. So Vince laid that PSA out before the Survivor Series where Bret Hart um, was screwed out of retaining the WWF Championship and it was handed to Shawn Michaels. Why? Because Bret Hart was making it loud and clear. He wasn't renewing his contract. He was leaving the WWF. He was taking the belt and he was going to show up on WCW Monday Night Nitro the next night. And Vince McMahon was just, he wasn't having it. He was now having his company be embarrassed and potentially, you know, just demolished, you know, with Bret Hart doing something like that. So then Vince McMahon kind of elaborated even more after the screw job. He said, we're going to be aiming between a certain audience, uh, adult men, ages of 18 to 34. These are college kids. These are young, mm -hmm. uh, young party partiers, kids, you know, young men who are, they just, you know, don't got to care in the world. They feel invincible. Sort of like your favorite wrestling character. And then, you know, he's, you know, going towards the middle-aged man, you know what I'm saying, who, who, who needs to see a spark when they get home from work after dealing with the crap all day long. They want to turn their TV and they can see a Stone Cold Steve Austin stuttering uh, someone. Okay, and I love the fact that Vince acknowledged that, hey, we're not going to be insulting your intelligence anymore. So we're not going to be getting, say your prayers, take your vitamins, and what you're going to do anymore. I was glad to see that he acknowledged that we weren't getting, and no disrespect to Hulk Hogan, but I appreciate McMahon uh, letting us know that. All right, and then um, well, let's go around the room here. So before we got into the Attitude Era, there was an era before that, a more cheesier WWF, uh, not so much entertaining WWF. So Black, kind of talk to me about what were you seeing um, before the Attitude Era was introduced, because as we know, we had WCW Monday Night Nitro just one click away on TNT. So what were you thinking at the WWF at that time? At that time? Yeah. And at the age that, uh, that I was, mm. I really didn't watch WWF. Okay. I was, us coming up, we was more of Nitro guys. Yep. We watched a lot of WCW coming up, but you know I do remember before Attitude Era. You remember Hulk Hogan sure. and those guys and mm -hmm. uh, Andre the Giant. You know we were little kids. Andre the Giant, mm -hmm. Undertaker. His character was scary to me, but he was kind of dry. Mm -hmm. You know he was just this, just this thing to just walk forward, just slow all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, but his his character was really scary. It really wasn't a whole lot of excitement in that era, in that era mm -hmm. before Attitude Era, but I did it. I really didn't really enjoy it a lot. I didn't. Okay. I was more of a WCW uh, yeah, fan then. Yeah, facts. All right, PJ, get in there, man. What do you remember about the previous era of the WWF? Um, at that time, uh, I wasn't even interested in wrestling. Um, I didn't even get interested in okay. wrestling until like eight or nine. But w watching back. Uh, what I saw was a bunch of like wrestlers with like occupation, right? right. Occupations like right. you got 
Doink the Clown, <laughs> uh, Isaac Yankum DDS. Yeah, you got Crush. Crush. You yeah. got uh, gar- uh, pe- uh, Garbage People. Yeah. You know, um, Hockey Players. Yeah. Basically, it was like uh, just a real life cartoon show. Facts. And Facts. Um, that, that's, not, that's not something that, you know, people want to see. You know, um, when you turned into Nitro, it was, um, it, everything was like, you know, based on like real life situations. Right. Um, especially like in, in 96 when, uh, Scott Hall and Kevin Nash, you yep. know, joined in and everything was just based off of like real life situations. Mm-hmm. And that's what Eric Bischoff made it. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, ever since then, it's like, you know, everybody's looking at WWF like, you know, okay, it's y'all turn. Like, what? Y'all, y'all need mm-hmm. to get with the times, you know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so for me, man, um, I wasn't no way, shape, and form entertained at all with the <laughs> WWF uh, around the 1996 uh, year. Um, like PJ said, you know, we were um, being introduced to something totally beyond our thought process in WCW. And that was when Scott Hall and Kevin Nash made their presence known on WCW Nitro. And and the character play that they had using their real names, Mm -hmm. coming from WWF, staging it. Because at that time, as youngsters, we had no idea that this is scripted. We We had no idea. Eric Bischoff, and and he's, he's selling it. You know, Bobby the Brain Heenan, they're selling it when Scott Hall and Kevin Nash are making their entry. So, of course... If I go from watching Scott Hall, a.k.a. Razor Ramon, uh, Kevin Nash, a.k.a. Diesel, just a couple of days ago on Monday Night Raw, now, of course, my attention is out of here once I see the Brooklyn Brawler at 70 years old facing Doink the Clown for the Intercontinental Championship. Like, that's not what I'm finna be watching, though. Yeah. And then we get in tag teams of, like, the 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 uh, uh, the smoking guns. You know, these guys coming out of these big uh, cowboy hats and yeah. and chaps. And, yeah. and, 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 and they tried to put us over because Sonny was with them. But I'm looking at Bart Gunn and, and, and Billy Gunn like, bro, what is this? What? I don't want to see who are they defending the titles against. I don't need, like. Yo, that's what I'm saying. Like it, it, it wasn't really popping, man. So WWF was pretty much dead to me, honestly. Once you know, uh, you know, Scott Hall and Kevin Nash showed up on Nitro, I wasn't checking for it whatsoever because yeah. the it show was Nitro, and I knew yes, when I got was. to school Tuesday morning, I had better known what happened on WCW <laughs> Monday Night Nitro. All right, man. So we're going to transition to another PSA. This is my one of my favorite promos of the Attitude Era, man, when I was coming up as a kid. Man, I just love watching this commercial. So maybe this will ring a bell and y'all can kind of uh, remember this uh, as I'm getting ready to play it. I know what you're thinking. I'm not a real athlete. I'm just a wrestler. I'm six foot ten, three hundred and twenty-eight pounds. I was a national champion at the University of Miami. My jersey was retired at Florida State. I was the ultimate fighting champion. When you step through those ropes, bad things do happen. I've suffered a dozen concussions. I've separated shoulders. I've blown out knees. I still got up. This is who I am. This is what I do. I'm not really an athlete. This isn't real. Draw lace in my boots. 
Yeah, man. I, I love I love that commercial. You know, to be real corny, real quick. When I started losing weight and working out in the gym, I had my I had me like a little WWF YouTube playlist <laughs> with the old commercials. You know what I'm saying? And that was one of them on it because it just kind of got my juices flowing a little bit, man. Before I got out there and started working out, man. So I'll try to post that on our uh, Instagram uh, and our YouTube. I'm pretty sure they're gonna pull it right off once I put it on there. But you know. Uh, what the hell? We'll just give it a try. All right, man. So let's go right into it, man. Let's talk about it. Um, The Attitude Era, man. And let's start off with the first question, guys. When did you notice the change? What, what about the WWF was attractive to you once again for you to tune in and see what was going on on Monday Night Raw? When did you notice the change, Black? I think for me... The change had to be because I was so invested in WCW. I was mm-hmm. so invested and that was like, I didn't care about what was going on in WWF. Sure. So I think the change for me came when, you know, I was young. I remember being in school and then these kids start, some of my friends start talking about, man, you heard about, you know, Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> I was like, no, man, I'm, you know, I'm watching, mm-hmm. I'm watching, you know, WCW with mm-hmm. uh, Hollywood Hogan mm-hmm. and these guys. Mm-hmm. But he was like, man, you got to watch. And then that's when I started getting into, start watching and start mm-hmm. seeing mm-hmm. Uh, Stone Cold at that time when he was, you know, getting ready to become, right before he became, you know, WCW champ. I mean, WWF champ and mm-hmm. that little run he went on leading up to WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. Like, it was so awesome. And it's like I instantly, man, just from just from Stone Cold by himself, man, I I fell in love with WWF. Right. Like, that was that was what I wanted to watch. I got whoopings behind wrestling. <laughs> we got in trouble. I, I got, I can speak for me and D. Me and D got all behind, toe up behind WWF. If y'all think we lying, bruh, it's, it's serious. That's how serious it was. We used to stay up late on school nights to watch WWF when yeah. we needed supposed to be in the bed. Yeah. We thought our parents were sleeping. They really wasn't sleep, bro. <laughs> we was watching WWF just to see the storylines and, and, mm. and everything that was going on. And I was so invested in Stone Cold Steve Austin. It was like he was a brother to me because I wanted to know <laughs> everything he was doing, what he was doing. Like, I felt like I was a part of Stone Cold Facts. because what he was doing, like D said, it was so interesting. Mm-hmm. We had never seen someone just wreak havoc like that yeah. and just be a badass, you right. know, and just do the things that we really wanted to do and, and wanted to say, but we couldn't. Facts. And somebody else was doing it. So that's when I really got invested in okay. the, the Attitude Era. Okay. Uh-oh. All right, PJ, same question <laughs> for you. Uh, when did you notice the change? When were you invested mm-hmm. into WWF? Uh, I'll, say, I'll say when I was in third grade. Um, mm. you know, at, at at the time, you know, I was beginning to watch WCW mm-hmm. and you know, I would I would go to I would go to school mm-hmm. and you know, I'd be like, "Hey, you know, um hey, y'all watch WCW and I I'd be raving about Sting or whatever." Mm-hmm. They'd be like, "WCW?" <laughs> <laughs> like, "No, you 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 need to watch WWF." Yeah, like that yeah, yeah. that's where it's at. Right. And you know, of course, <laughs> you know, I was like, Dang, it's like two uh, companies. So yeah. I, I mean, I knew I seen Stone Cold Steve Austin. You know, he was all over the media. So it was just like you couldn't de- you couldn't deny it. So right. I watched it, and instantly I was just like, "Wow, this is like mm-hmm. uh, uh, ten times better than WCW." Mm-hmm. And 
after that, it, I like I watched it re- religiously. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I always, like my mama like hated it. Like you mm-hmm. know, um, you know, I had to have action WWF action figures, yep. video games. I made my own championship belt. Yep. <laughs> yep. Facts. You no. Know, um, you know, got in trouble for trying to pile drive my brother. <laughs> Facts. <laughs> Facts. <laughs> so I mean, like that. I mean that. That's. Where the tide turned for me. Facts, facts. For me, for me, it was very uh simple. I was very in- invested in like Black was saying with WCW. And then um I remember Nitro used to come on an hour early. Uh that's how they would get you. Nitro would come on no at seven. Nitro, Nitro would come on at seven. No, at eight, at eight, you're right. At and eight. then Raw will come on. Well, come on now, yeah. you're right, Black. <laughs> but this is when they got me. So, WWF had announced that they were going to three hours. They had announced that they were going to three hours to, I guess, kind of rival with, you know, Monday Night Nitro. And I'm kind of like, okay, you know, why are they going to three hours? Like, we're going to get a bunch of doink versus, <laughs> you know, crush and, and, and the fake Razor Ramon. I'm not finna check. Well, Shawn Michaels started wilding on TV. So he returns from this heartbreak kid persona, the beautiful brown hair, the sex appeal, the screen, all the ladies screaming for him, all the kids wanting want the pictures with him. And, and he's cussing out Sergeant Slaughter in the middle of the ring. <laughs> and he's picking on him. He's degrading him. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. What's happening here? And then it continues on to the next week, to the next week. And then he gets a side, not a sidekick, but he gets a member, a, a guy who's going to stand with him, which was Triple H. And I knew the Triple I knew the Triple H who was already out there. The, 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 the peppermint schnob, Triple, Triple H, the Greenwich, Connecticut finest Triple H. <laughs> was I entertained by Triple H's matches in the ring? I was when he was wrestling. But when he opened his mouth and his character started, it sucked. It sucked. So these guys kind of formed together. And the one moment I cannot stop thinking about it in my head is when Sergeant Slaughter was just yelling at DX and they pulled out the face shields with the little <laughs> windshield wipers, wiping off the spit for Sergeant Slaughter. And it just kept and it just kept getting worse and worse and worse for Slaughter. So that was when I was reconnected uh with WWF. And I had heard about Austin. I had heard about Stone Cold, but I wasn't really checking for Stone Cold. Um, and yeah, because he was still with the uh, the Million Dollar Man, yeah. and uh, he was like the ringmaster. But he had the black trunks, the black boots, so I knew of him. But he wasn't Stone Cold yet. He wasn't Stone Cold wait, yet. Wait a minute, you you said he was the ringmaster when Shawn Michaels was joining? No, before, before. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. before. Yeah, I know he had broken off the Stone Cold Steve yeah. Austin by then, but. I knew Austin was out there. I just wanted to check it for him. That's when he used yeah. to walk around with that gold belt. That gold yeah, the million dollar belt. Million dollar belt. Yeah. The million dollar champion. Yeah. So 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 that's when it kind of changed for me when I seen Sean, you know, just start a while and now. And then of course we seen the birth of uh Degeneration X. And I can and I can honestly say that around that time, if I'm correct, if I'm correct, this is early 19, I want to say early 1998. 
Now, around this time, Sting had just came back to WCW and beat Hollywood <laughs> Hogan at Starcade December yes. 97. Oh, man. So here's what we're doing. The storyline of Sting and the NWO on WCW was at its highest. Yes, it was. It was it had, Sting had returned. He had became champion. And when that happened, looking back on it now, that's when WCW started tumbling once the Sting storyline was over. Because you want to know why? He lost the title the very next month to the Macho Man. <laughs> the very next month. Like, he lost the very next month to the Macho Man. Go ahead. I'll say like um like they 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 start doing it now, but at the same time, like they they were still like kind of neck and neck with WWE because they had Goldberg, the beginning of Goldberg coming. Right, but that was yeah. one thing though. W- yeah. We saw the birth of what was, we saw stuff just popping up out of nowhere with WWF. Right, with DX, the Heart Foundation, the the Nation of Domination. Don't, but don't get me wrong. Yeah, yeah. WCW was still trucking, but I'm saying yeah. for my interest level, interest level. I'm okay, noticing okay. something's going on over here. Okay, in the okay, WWF, yeah, 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 yeah. In the WWF. All right, so uh, let's go ahead and keep it rolling. Let's 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 see. So after WrestleMania 14, all right. So we're going to just kind of fast forward through Sean's early stint in the Attitude Era with Degeneration X. Uh, Sean was WWF champ, European champ. Eventually, Triple H became European champ. Um, we seen the, 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 the hell of a run that those three had in China, Hunter and Triple H. And then we got the WrestleMania 14, the Stone Cold train had already oh, been man. full speed ahead. We seen him with the Owen Hart, uh, storyline with the paralyzed neck when the Intercontinental Championship, Mike Tyson was thrown into the fold. WWF was just out of here. Stone Cold becomes champion. And that is where a lot of people say WWF is back and they're here to stay when Austin uh, took over the reins from Sean and became champion. So I said all that to say, as a, uh, as a result of this, Stone Cold Steve Austin, the era of the rattlesnake. Very <laughs> interested to hear uh-huh. your guys' take on just seeing Austin week in and week out just do what he do. Black, talk to me about Stone Cold. Man, like, <laughs> this is this is my favorite favorite character, man, in the Attitude Era. Like, hands down, by far. Like, everything that Stone Cold did, what he was about, it's just, I liked it. So, from, from, uh, from him becoming this bad guy to getting on Vince's bad side, I mean, from stunning Vince, like, just being negative about everything getting arrested just for beating the <laughs> hell out of people beating the hell out of the police yeah, like man. man everything this guy did man i enjoyed it like mm-hmm. me and d would get together bro for monday night i mean beginning of a school week yeah. and i don't know if d remember this and and looking at the document i was like man we used to get in so much trouble <laughs> sunday night heat we used to yeah. Sunday night heat, Sunday bro. Night, we yeah. used to we used to be like, man, yeah. w- uh, when is church gonna be over so we could get home? <laughs> I could go to D house in enough time to watch Sunday night heat, yeah. and then go home and get ready for school on yeah. Monday, yeah. and then we do it again all over yeah. for Monday night nitro. But yeah. man, like just his just his character in in in, in everything for me was top of the line, man. Thanks. Just him being. 
just him being whatever he wanted to do, right. whatever he said. Right. You know, I don't give a damn the drinking, right. everything, man. Right. I loved it from, <laughs> from, from the beginning of it all, man. And then it's just like you knew mm. at some point. It didn't even we didn't even have to see it, but I knew I felt in my heart this guy's gonna be the face and be the champion Facts. of the WWF, yeah. and he's gonna just it's gonna be wild and insane. Right, like right. it's 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 can't miss TV. That's right, what right. it was every show. Yep. Can't miss TV. Facts. <laughs> PJ, talk to me, so, man. Stone Cold Steve Austin. Um, I was gonna, say, I was gonna say, like in the, in the beginning, like, um, like I was kind of restricted from watching WWE because of Stone Cold <laughs> and because <laughs> being 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 a being a eight year old uh young man. And, and watching somebody, you know, say ass and damn and, you know, drink beer. And, uh, like, my pet, uh, uh, we came from a Christian household. Yeah. My parents were having that. Right. So, I mean, like, so I would sneak and watch it. Mm-hmm. And, like Black said, it was must-see TV. Facts. Um, he was very unpredictable. You didn't know what he was gonna do. No, on Raw, you he he was gonna drive a Zamboni. Right, he was gonna come out with a beer with a beer truck. Right, uh, you just didn't know nope. what Stone Cold was gonna do every Monday night. Nope. So, for with that, that made that made me interested in the Stone Cold character. Right, it made me love the Stone Cold character. Now. I was just tuned in every, every night, uh, every Monday night. Yeah, so for me, was 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 Stone Cold at this the age that I was back in nineteen ninety seven, ninety eight. I think I was like fifteen to sixteen yeah. around that age. So most fifteen and sixteen year old young men are entering the level of invincibility, <laughs> of, of being a rebel, a renegade, a tough guy. You know, you're you're entering into that stage of your life, and I was no different from anyone else. And me and black man, we used to get in trouble, man, for just. T- Talking out of line, we all in the back saying, you know, ass and damn, you know, we just being stone cold as 15 and 16 year olds. But I tell you, man, the ultimate thing that woke me up and said, this guy is like the greatest thing of all times when he stone cold stunnered Vince McMahon for the very First time, New York City, Madison Square Garden on Monday Night Raw, leaving Vince having a seizure and shaking in the rain. But that was symbolic of just people in the world who just had had enough of their boss or their supervisor or whoever was trying to tell them what to do. They just want to give them the two middle fingers, a kick to the gut, and a Stone Cold Stunner. And I wish to God every time I gave my little brother the Stone Cold Stunner, I could have had Jim Ross somewhere in my house saying, Stone Cold! Stone Cold! Stone Cold! Like, I wish, I wish I could have had him in there. Because I tell you what, Jim Ross and 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 um uh Stone Cold were like hand in hand. It's like, mm-hmm. it's like without Stone Cold and Jim Ross even knowing it, they were tied to each other at the hip yeah. because we never got express like like expressions and and just that type of tone of voice from people when Stone Cold would do stuff with Jim Ross. So all in all, man, I was just I had to be in place when Stone and it was just something about just this just right here just. No, like that glass shattering, man. Like I ain't never heard to this day. To this day, I have not heard another wrestler's music hit like that 
And it's hard like that, and the pop like that is just—it's wild too. Because right now we're watching in your house, uh, Final Four, and Stone Cold is just getting into the ring, so it's just kind of wild that it's all kind of adding up. But yeah, Stone Cold was great, man. He was a breath of fresh air for the common man, for the common young boy, for the common teenager. Like, yeah, he just really was, man. And we all know what he turned out to be. <laughs> but I tell you what, man, when he was first knocking out that door. Man, it was a sight to see and definitely must see, okay? D, I just yeah. want to say this, bro. Sure. I'm sitting back really thinking about that thing, bro. Do you know how many ass whoopings we really got? Yeah, we stayed in trouble. Like, man, it was we crazy. We stayed in trouble. We stayed in trouble. Like, I, for, I'm, I know our listeners who invested in wrestling, bro. Like, stayed in trouble, It's bro. real. Like, this, like... Stone Cold's character just brung out the bad side in people. Mm-hmm. It brung out the bad side in kids. Like, I, I didn't care what was going on. Just wild. Even man. when I was getting my ass whooped, I felt like I was tough. Oh, I can take him now. You know what I'm saying? I feel like Stone Cold gave you this toughness about yourself watching him every Monday and every Sunday night. Yep. You know, I just, man, his his character, man, just did everything for me, man. Facts, man. Facts, man. Shout out to Stone Cold Steve Austin. All right, so we're going to trickle down from Stone Cold. We're going to go to Mr. McMahon. We're going to go to Mr. McMahon, the ultimate heel, the <laughs> ultimate villain. To me, when you talk heels, when you talk greatest heels of all time, of course you have Hollywood Hulk Hogan to me at the top of that list. But probably 1B is Mr. McMahon. And, and, and here's the thing. You didn't even know Mr. McMahon was a heel until if, after it was all said and done for me. I'm thinking like, I'm really thinking this is Vince McMahon. Like the Vince McMahon being himself. So, Black, what, what was your thoughts of Mr. McMahon? Just the tyrant, that crazy strut, the money strut walk he had. How you know hiring and firing folks like just McMahon as a whole man as a as a character man how how did you uh, feel about him man I I liked the Vince but I hated him too I hated him and Facts. liked him you Facts. know because Facts. it was just like you said D it was just like that that damn boss that you hated you just wanted to punch him in his face yep. and then especially this one I hated him the most anytime he come out cut the music cut them cut it off right now cut it off cut the music <laughs> like, <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what? Anytime he did that, it didn't matter. It didn't matter who it was. Yeah. I hated it, man. But I yeah. also love Vince because Vince made everything yeah. like it. Vince made everything work from his situations from Stone with Stone Cold, his situations mm-hmm. with The Rock, yep. his situations with DX. Like, man, it mm-hmm. was crazy mm-hmm. to watch the whole thing. And I think another big thing for me with, with Vince was when um. He made uh, he made The Rock defend the championship against mankind. We mm-hmm. was watching this when we was mm-hmm. doing the other podcast, mm-hmm. and I'm just sitting here remembering it. And Vince, Vince just had this look over his face, like, "No, this yeah, can't be happening." Yeah, like, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then Stone Cold came out right, and stunned right, right. The Rock, yeah. and uh, and then gave Vince the fingers of Stone. Yeah. And, and Vince McMahon was like. Yeah. <laughs> like it's just, just, just look of disbelief in his face that this is going on. Like yeah, yeah. he had no control over the situation, None. and then when he didn't have control over situations, we always got these dramatic looks of, of his face. Oh, what's going on, man? But right. I, I had a, I had a, a like dislike uh, thing for Vince, man, in, in, in his time with his heels and and the stuff he was doing, being that angry boss, man. But I love Vince, man. I love Vince McMahon. <laughs> Listen, like I, I, 
Vince McMahon was sorely needed for like this era. Like if Stone Cold was like the the top like good guy of the company, like you needed to like that that top like you that that boss that was just like I'm throwing everything at you to, to keep you from succeeding, and you know this tyrant that's just coming after everybody. And I think. I think like after the Montreal after the Montreal school draw, yeah. um, he was just like, Okay, I'm gonna just run with it. Yeah. You know, did, did, like did this how people this how people view me. Yep. I'm gonna I'm gonna just take it and I'm gonna just run with yep. it. And you know, that that was I think that's one of the good one of the good things that came out of the Montreal school job. Um yeah. I love his comedic timing, like when Whenever he get in the tuffles with Stone Cold or at a time where he was training for the Royal Rumble with uh Shane and you know, he was chasing chickens and um, you know, lifting weights. I hate Austin. I hate Austin. <laughs> I, I love it. <laughs> but, you know, um yeah, Vince McMahon, like number one hill of all time to me. Yeah, man, I just it's 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 crazy to think about Vince, man, because you're sitting here and I'm really thinking about a lot of different things that Vince and Stone Cold did in that Attitude Era, man, from from like, and I'm talking about out of the ring. Like, we mm-hmm. got to see, like, uh, situations in hospitals when Vince was in the yeah, hospital. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stone Cold acting like he was a, uh, a nurse. A nurse. Yep. And he, he beat up Vince, like, yep. just little stuff like that. And Vince was, like, hurt for real in the Thanks. hospital. And then from the time... uh. When he got advantage on Stone Cold, just right. him being the, the advantage where uh, the police came out and handcuffed Stone Cold and he was in Stone Cold face yeah. while Stone Cold was face first Facts. down on the mat. Facts. Like, just, just it, like, I agree with PJ. Without Vince, bro, like, I don't think his heel, it wouldn't have worked. Right. It wouldn't have worked. His heel was so classic. Like, it's up there, man. But <laughs> everything about Vince, it's stuff about Vince that I like and stuff that I don't like. Yeah. But, I enjoyed the ups and the downs with Vince. Yeah, I think me for me uh, with Vince McMahon, as I look on, as I look back at it now, at the time I hated McMahon too. <laughs> I hated him. You know what I'm saying? But it was perfect because you don't really, as a child, when you're young during the Attitude Era, you really don't realize, you know, how caught up you are in it. Mm-hmm. Like you're really invested into the storyline. So the Vince McMahon Stone Cold Steve Austin storyline was just so beautifully done and it had longevity. They literally had beef for like a decade before they ultimately aligned with one another, you know, uh, down the line in their careers. But Vince McMahon was a trip and PJ had me dying laughing over here when I said, cut it off. <laughs> but when he, when he used to say, I said, shut up. Shut up. Shut up. Like when he used to do stuff like that, like, me and my brother would choke to death laughing, you know, because we understood, you know, how funny it was, man. But I think Vince, he played so many roles as Mr. McMahon, man. Like, he was just in down with the ladies. Like, you used to see him, like, get with it with, like, uh, with, with Sable and, and Sonny and Trish Strat. Like, I used to love seeing him kind of be loose and he was dancing and stuff like that. And then he was making deals with other superstars. You know, he would bring people in and give them an opportunity, as he, as he would say. So, and then we had, of course, we, we had the, uh, uh, the, the beef with Stone Cold Steve Austin. So, all in all... 
I mean, Vince McMahon and Hollywood Hulk Hogan are the greatest heels of all time to me, man. But as I'm really, really thinking about it now, and McMahon might be the greatest heel of all time. He might be. He might be because of longevity of yeah. it. Because, you know, Hollywood Hogan wasn't for that long. It, it wasn't, wasn't for that long. And McMahon is still Mr. McMahon today as his la his last storyline was a Kofi Kingston thing. Like, mm -hmm. he jumped right in and he was perfect with that. Yeah, he, he was. He was perfect with that. Was. You know, it was a short bit of time, but he reminded us, of who he was. So shout out uh Mr. Vincent Kennedy McMahon. All right, man. So we're gonna move on to our next superstar. Do you smell what the rock is cooking? Do you smell what the rock is cooking? Ha! Alright, so the rock, my guy, Rocky Maivia. Oh man, I can't wait till this. You know, I'm kicking it off. I just got I just got to. So <laughs> look, man. So I was, you know. Of course, we're down here live, Jacksonville, Florida. I went to Reebok Senior High School. You know, that was my school. And um, I, I didn't get picked that for watching wrestling. But you know how people give you like that, that little giggle. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you watch wrestling? And, and yeah, you know, I was with it. But I, you want to know when it was cool to watch wrestling? You want to know when people stopped laughing when it was, uh, when it was about wrestling? Mm -hmm. When The Rock came? Yeah. When yeah. The Rock came? <laughs> nobody... Nobody was laughing and picking and pointing the finger no more. People was tuning in to see this charismatic, slick at the tongue, mm -hmm. cool, calm, and collected, just a ranking legend. When I say ranking, I mean picking on you. Like, he just <laughs> ranking. You getting ranked on by the rock. He a legend at doing that. The hair, the shirts, uh, the uh, corporate rock, you know, like, he... He just embodied, man, like, basically who I wanted to be. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be The Rock. No lie. I remember I was, like, 17 years old. I was super corny with the with the pork chop sideburns. <laughs> My auntie had lined me up with the pork chop sideburns, and I went to school. <laughs> and I went to school with the pork chops, man. Them boys was busting me down, Ooh, man, when I got boy. to school. But that's how much I was in it. That's how much it was in it, man. And when it was when it was dealing with the Rock, man, <laughs> and, and and I'm such a huge fan of him. And to this day, to this day, man, you know I use his, I use his catchphrases, his punchlines. You know, yeah, PJ about to die over there. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I'm gonna try to find a picture. I think I think my mom got a picture of me, and I'm not ashamed. I'm posting on social media so y'all can see I ain't lying about the pork chop uh, sideburns. Oh, but all man. in all, the Rock is my favorite. He was just so refreshing to see, so cool to me, and he just never disappointed, man. He was on TV. So, Black, what's your thoughts uh, about The Rock? And I probably can speak for me and D on this, too, but the first thing, the first word that comes to mind when I think about The Rock was swag. Uh, we may not have the hat, the swag like what The Rock had, but we wanted to find our own type of swag because The Rock had it. You know, that's when you really, when The Rock came about, that's when you really wanted to start being cool. You want to dress, you want to dress a certain type of way. You know, uh, The Rock influenced a lot of, like, a lot of swag to me. I think he really started the whole swag era and, and, and being cool and dressing how you want to dress. And of course. Even the rock used to, you know, I always, I know I could never do it. We never, never looked at it here in Jacksonville. Right. Like, like, but the Versace shirts, I loved that. I was like, dang, I wonder could Keep I Keep your hands pull. off the rock's $500 shirt. <laughs> I wonder could I pull the Versace shirts off here. I said, no. Wild People open. would kill me. People would kill me if I showed up with a Versace shirt on. But man, just just swag, man. Everything about the rock, rock, like D said, man. Facts, from punchlines to disrespecting people, man. Facts, I think man. I really start falling in love with the rock 
as he got ready to, to leave Nation of Domination and then come, go and start his own character as The Rock. Mm-hmm. You know, I just, man, it's, it's amazing to watch him. And like they said, everybody... It was cool to talk about The Rock. Absolutely. Everybody wasn't invested in Stone Cold Steve Austin. They didn't understand. But when you said The Rock, people would be like, oh, yeah. Because he was cool, though. Yeah, like he was the cool guy, like ex-football player. Miami Hurricanes, like... And, and and other people, that's how they was invested too, because he played football. Yeah, he played football. And, he was, yep. and now he's a wrestler, but yep. he's also young. He's also a younger guy. Yep. So we can re, we could re, we could we could relate to the Rock yep. and everything that he was doing, man. Facts. So I loved everything about the Rock's character. Facts, man. Do you smell what the Rock is cooking? I'm gonna say I hate the Rock. I, I, I hate the Rock in the beginning, like uh-huh. the, the 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 Nation <laughs> of Domination. Um, that Nation of Domination period. I hated him. Oh, I, mean, but, I can see why. Yeah, I can see why. But, I can see why. But as far as like the swag and everything, I see where y'all coming from. Yeah. But I did. I didn't really get into him like that until he started. Till he joined the corporation, mm-hmm. and even though he was still like a heel, and I still kind of hated him, you just couldn't keep your eyes off mm-hmm. him because he special man. Like he he just had that charisma that mm-hmm. you know. And you know, always you know the the eyebrow. And I'm just like, why why he keep right. raising his eyebrow like right, that? Like, right. But um, yeah, man. Now you know, once I get in shape, you know, I'm, I'm giving me a, <laughs> I'm a, you know what 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 I'm gonna get me a Versace <laughs> shirt. So slacks. Give your hands up the rocks five hundred dollars shirt yeah. and, and some loafers you know? <laughs> and some and some 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 shades. <laughs> Give your hands up the rocks five hundred dollars shirt, honey. <laughs> Yeah, man. So the Rock was great. He was great, man. Um, depends who you ask. You know, he could be the greatest from that era. It could be Stone Cold, greatest from that era. But all in all, man, I think those were the top two guys. You know, Rock and Austin through that era. All right, man. Let's transition down, man, to uh, a couple of factions, man. Let's talk about uh, Degeneration X. Let's talk about DX uh, in the Attitude Era, man, and, mm-hmm. and 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 just I guess what, what I, I guess I want to ask. How much did you feel inspired by D-Generation X? Watching them being reckless, just uh, 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 just loud and obnoxious week after week. And keep it real. How many times have you told somebody to suck it? Hey. <laughs> I, think, I think I messed up, man. And I was older, man. I, I, I really messed up because I was... Wrestling was so bad for me, man. I did mm-hmm. everything they did, and I told my dad to suck it oh, one time. Oh, 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 I told my dad to do that, boy, and I remember. Oh, oh, oh. I never told you this story, but I remember. But my dad and said, what you said? And I didn't repeat it. He was like, I heard what you said. And, boy, I got <laughs> told up. But, man, like, suck it was just what it was. Man, I used to be in school to ah, suck it. I used to yeah, be like, yeah. in school, man, just getting in trouble. Like, yeah. it was cool. And then... Yep. In school, D-Generation X was something else everybody could relate to. Mm-hmm. Because that was like a comedian show. It was laughter every Monday. Mm-hmm. It was laughter. You was going to get a good show mm-hmm. watching D-Generation X from everything. I told D when we was coming up, I used to hate. I used to hate them lights. Them lights used to kill me. Like when they, they had, but they had the best intro that uh, anybody had like their lights with the green making the X yeah, the and, then them come, yeah. and man everybody coming out being stupid and then just uh, for me D-Generation X Road Dog Jesse James <laughs> this guy right here man I loved it that was my favorite person okay 
and Degeneration X. That's what's up. I love Road Dog, man, from the beginning. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, <laughs> children of all ages. <laughs> I just love I just loved everything about Road Dog, man. And, and if we sit I'm sitting back looking at it now, that attitude attitude era, if it was alive now, that would be unrated. Like it they wouldn't be able to put that on TV. Like, man, it was just no. so, like, <laughs> everything. It shouldn't have been on TV then, but it was. Thank God it was. And, 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 and you go back and look at different uh, old matches and old Raws and pay-per-views, mm-hmm. you really never see any small kids in the arena. It was mm-hmm. either, like D said, uh, college kids or middle-aged kids. Yep. And and I can remember, like, the Generation Next, I don't know if y'all remember this, but this one they was doing... They're doing Raws on college campuses. Mm-hmm. They weren't doing big arenas for yeah, Raw. They yeah. was doing they was doing them on college campuses. And yeah. DX used to get on the armor truck and ride around the different yeah. ride around the different campuses. They used to be on yeah. on the shows. Man, it used to be it was it was absolutely entertaining to watch mm-hmm. DX. DX made it more entertaining than what it already was, man. Yeah. And uh, everything about every character. And of uh, Degeneration X, but uh, Road Dog Jesse James by far was my favorite character in Degeneration X. That's what's up. Great breakdown, Black. PJ, talk to me, man. Talk to me about Degeneration X. So, uh, Degeneration X was the reason why I was prohibited from um, <laughs> that wa- prohibited from watching wrestling for like the first half of my fifth grade year. Oh man, um, that hurt. <laughs> I went I went to school and told somebody to suck it. And I did the hand gesture too. And the teacher called it. I, I got written up. And, um, you know, my parents was just like, you know, you not watching wrestling no more. And, you know, I had to, I had to sneak a little bit. To, I had to sneak a little bit to watch, you know, some, some WWE um, or WWF at the time. But, um, like, I love these Generation X like that. I, I feel like that's like my number one favorite faction. Um, it, over agree, o, yeah, o, over NWO and over the NWO. Yeah, over NWO. I was saying um, too, boy. DS. <laughs> I, I like okay. I love Triple H. Um, another reason. Um, I was prohibited was because I was singing Mr. Ass. <laughs> I'm an ass man. <laughs> shout out Billy Gunn. Yeah, but yeah, um, shout out to Mr. Ass. But yeah, yeah, um, Mr. Ass got me in trouble. I love Road Dog. You know the whole oh, entrance, and um, you know I went. X Pop was okay, but I mean I love China. Yes. You know. First uh women's intercontinental champion. Mm-hmm. Um but DX got me in a lot of trouble. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> yeah, I think for me with DX, man, it was just a defiance, man. It was defiance, <laughs> it was the comedy. It was like you was guaranteed to get a stomach hurt and laugh mm-hmm. uh watching D Generation next, man. Uh just from the beginning with Sean. You know, with Sean and Triple H, you know, I I I always remember uh the locker room um a uh, little promo he had when he was like, "You make the rules and we'll break them." You know that that was just the, the, the them waving the flag, man. That we are real degenerates, man. Like we are really, really 
uh, here to raise hell and just really change the landscape uh, of this thing. And they did that week in and week out. And I love how it all blended together. After Sean got injured and dropped the belt to Stone Cold and Triple H had to pick up to take the reins. And Triple H don't get a lot of credit, dog, like for this. DS could have been over and done with. Triple H could have been, you know, just left out there to try to refigure, recreate itself. But he didn't have to do that. It was genius, dog, to bring in the New Age Outlaws. It was genius to bring in, you know, uh, uh, Six, Six Pack, you know, X-Pac, you know, One, Two, Three Kid, whatever you want to call them. It was genius to bring them, bring him in. They already had China and reform this thing. And the way they did it was just beautiful. When you beat up Terry Funk and Cactus Jack in the steel cage <laughs> and leave them laying, and, and you birthed something because nobody wanted to mess with Cactus Jack and Terry Funk back in the day. Those nobody. were insane lunatics. Yes, they those were. Those two individuals. So Triple H did a hell of a job recruiting the guys, getting them in there, and then DX really took off. Like, the music, the antics, then they was able to get into some real, real uh, situations with the Nation of Domination, you know, winning titles, the New Age Outlaws became superstars in their own right. You, there was plenty of times, you know, the Outlaws would come out, no Triple H, no China, no X-Pac, and they would get the biggest pop of the night. Mm -hmm. You know, because Road Dog just had, he had the it. command of the crowd, you know, when that, you, oh, you didn't know? No. Like the, <laughs> yeah, no, you didn't even see the man. Somebody. You didn't even see the man. You know, you just heard him in the background. So I think Diaz gave us permission as kids to just wild the hell out. <laughs> Get in a little bit of trouble, push the envelope, get put on punishment, wrestling just taken away from you all together. But it was worth it when you was repping D Generation yeah. X, man. So DX definitely a staple in the Attitude Era, man. So we're going to play a, a little classic theme before we get into the next group of superstars. I know PJ uh, will appreciate this. Don't know that is the the brood, Gangrel, Edge, and Christian, the bloodbath guys. That's what my uh, is what my little cousin used to call them, uh, the bloodbath guys back in the G man. So we're gonna transition from out of the superstars. We already talked about Stone Cold. We talked about Mr. McMahon. We talked about The Rock. But let's talk about a certain era, a certain uh ring to the show, the hardcore division. Oh, man. Let's talk about the hardcore <laughs> title. Let's talk about just what we were privileged to see week in and week out with the hardcore division. So, Black, I'm going to swing it on out to you, man. Talk to me a little bit about the hardcore championship, my boy. Man, uh, it's crazy, man, to even think about hardcore championship, man. I was mm -hmm. uh, watching some old Raws and stuff with my son mm -hmm. a couple of nights ago, man. And I was just like, man, this Raw champ, I mean, this hardcore championship with matches was crazy. Yes, yes. I mean, all over the place. And yes. that's when I really started. I, I had to put, uh, I had to put Al, uh, Al Snow, Al Snow on yeah. my list, man, because 
to me, he was Mr. Hardcore. And then it was like he would use that mannequin head and talk to him, hit people. Hit, yeah. <laughs> he would hit people over the head with it, man. And I remember uh, a certain match I was watching, man. And uh, I can't remember. It was on Raw. Mm-hmm. But it was him and Road Dog mm-hmm. for the Hardcore hard Championship. championship. Mm-hmm. Man, you want to talk about a hell of a match, mm-hmm. man. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. These matches used to be like crazy. But... How it got introduced, give it being given to mankind, it was perfect. Absolutely. Because mankind was just reckless. Yeah. Everything. He was he was the first Mr. Hardcore. King of Hardcore. A king of Hardcore. And to be, yes. for McMahon to present that championship to him, that was just amazing how they did it. Then you Facts. had everybody from Al Snow, mm-hmm. from uh, Mankind, and then you had Road Dog was uh was was in it. And then you had uh I can't remember his name, D, but he used, he said, I'm gonna defend the hardcore championship 24-7 every single day. Day. Crash Holly. Crash Holly. Crash Used to Holly. Holly. Man, and it was one instance when he was defending, he was running from a group of a group of guys, and then he entered a room where Farouk and um Bradshaw was at, uh-huh. and they was all sitting down playing they cards OP. at the yep. table yep. with another couple of guys, and they just everybody got up and whooped Crash Holly. Yeah. Man, it was it was crazy, man. So everything about the hardcore championship, man, I loved it, man. Yeah. As a kid, like it was very, very entertaining. Like mm-hmm. when you didn't have the superstars, that's one thing about Attitude Area. When you didn't have the big superstars like The Rock, mm-hmm. or they 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 time had been already passed on the show. Mm-hmm. You had stuff like the hardcore championship or DX and those guys mm-hmm. that carry the rest of the show. And I mean talking about we talk about two, three hours of you know, a show mm-hmm. and it got carried by everybody else, man. It was amazing to watch. Uh, mm-hmm. That time with the Hardcore Championship Yeah man Talk to me yeah. PJ Give me give me your thoughts About the Hardcore Championship division The Hardcore Championship Was a treat Yes For, for me <laughs> yeah. um, Just initially seeing Like the How the championship Was um, Was first initiated Yeah um, Even though it was A mangled up championship Like it was still be- It still looked beautiful the, yeah. um, Wing Eagle yeah, wing yeah. like a, a wing eagle belt with yeah. uh, duct tape all over it. Yeah. Um, some of my favorite matches: um, Big Boss Man versus um, Al Snow mm-hmm. in a, a dog kennel match mm-hmm. for the Hardcore Championship. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Crash Holly going uh, wrestling. At Chuck E. Cheese mm-hmm. for the uh, Hardcore Championship, mm-hmm. uh, it, it's very unpredictable. Very like it's hilarious. It's so it was a way to um, utilize their their other talents that were that weren't like big time superstars. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I love the Hardcore Division. I, I wish it was. Uh, I mean. They got the twenty four seven championship now, but it's it's not the same. No. So it's, I mean, but you know, I I surely missed the hardcore championship. Yeah, absolutely, man. The hardcore division was special. It was a special division, man. When Vince McMahon handed mankind that that championship uh, and deemed it the hardcore title, man, um, because he was doing it to get give mankind a. Uh, 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 some life, you know, try to pick man, mankind up, man, because he was really going through it. Because, you know, The Rock was this big man's favorite now and all that, man. But, man, let me tell you something, man. The highlight of most of the Monday Night Raws for years was the hardcore division segment. <laughs> like, whoever was in the match for the hardcore title. Like, Mick Foley and the big boss man's, like, hardcore championship match was brutal. 
Like, why was that even on television? Yeah. You know, I remember, like, Hardcore Holly don't get a lot of love either. Like, he really made that title kind of be more respectable because Hardcore Holly was, like, a professional. Yeah. But he was knocking dudes out, yeah, bro. Yeah, he was. You know what I'm saying? He came out there with them stank tights with yeah. them white boots <laughs> shoestrings just filthy. But yeah. he was out there representing and defending that title. But it progressed throughout the years. I remember when Rob, when RVD became like the hardcore champion. Like we was able to get classic matches with RVD and Edge for the hardcore title. RVD and Jeff Hardy for the hardcore title. Like you saw the elevation. You saw what the belt did to elevate the superstars. Because we was able to be treated to these great performances, man. And, you know, from 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 Al Snow to Big Boss Man, uh, Tess was a hardcore champion. Even Shane O'Mac was a Undertaker was a hardcore champion. You know, Matt Hardy, hardcore champion. Um, you have one of Godfather's hoes, Cynthia Lynch, become the hardcore champion <laughs> for just Cynthia. a second. For just a second until Crash Ho- Crash Holly regained it. You had Briscoe and Patterson, hardcore champions. But it was fun to see, and it was just a great, great time. Anytime the hardcore division yes, man. Uh, was displayed <laughs> uh, on television. So shout out to the hardcore division, man. I think I'm gonna go and watch like they got like a documentary on the WWE Network about the hardcore well, time. I, I gotta watch that, that too myself. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to check it out. All right, man. So let's transition. I know uh, my boy Fred, if he's out there listening, he'll appreciate uh, this music here. We are the nation of domination. Nation of domination. Nation of domination. We are the nation of domination. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So shout out uh, to Farouk, D'Lo Brown, Rocky Maivia, The Godfather, um, Mark Henry, uh, a quick member, Ahmed Johnson uh, was a part of the Nation of Domination, man. So shout out to those guys. So let's get into um, some storylines. Let's get into some of the big storylines from the Attitude Era. And I have one in particular that I know all three of us know. And we can all give a good, healthy take on this. And it's the, it's, uh, it happened back in 1998. All right. The Bad Blood pay per view. The first ever Hell in a Cell match. 1997. First ever Hell in a Cell match. European champion, the Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels versus the Dead Man, uh, The Undertaker. That's not what I want to talk about. I want to talk about the introduction, the storyline, the months and months of just who is Kane. And we ultimately got the famous sound and quote. I should have had it ready for y'all. That's got to be Kane. That's got to be Kane. I want to talk about that storyline in that moment. So let's go around the room. What do we remember? Excuse me. What do we remember of the storyline? Um, with Kane, The Undertaker, Paul Bearer, we hadn't been, we haven't been privileged to see a, um, premeditated storyline mm-hmm. with us waiting and seeing what the hell is going on, who the hell is Kane. <laughs> and then when we finally saw Kane, what he looked like, how big he was, and the fire, the red and black. What was your thoughts when you finally saw Kang after all the build, all, all the buildup? I think it wasn't 
for me, it wasn't seeing Kane. For me, being a Undertaker fan, it was seeing the fear in the Undertaker. Mm. Undertaker was like, what in the heck was going mm. on? Like, Paul, mm. you know, uh, Paul Bear bringing him out like, this is your brother, mm. you know, and this and that. And, and Undertaker just like, okay. what? Yeah. Like the Undertaker was if you if you if you look if you look at that uh if you look at that pay-per-view uh Undertaker was like what in the heck was going on man and just like this figure and then seeing you know Undertaker's documentary seeing how how they brought that thing together with him and Kane man it was amazing to see but man all just the red smoke the red, everything red man it was it was crazy to watch yep. them in in that setting and no one expected came to be that no nope. nobody expected that even the undertaker didn't expect it but it was amazing man and that's one of my favorite moments with the undertaker because he had a he was the one being feared and he had fear in his eyes he looked human about kane he looked, he looked human, human for, the, for first time, the first time for the first time seeing kane yes. and, and, and that was so amazing and being the fan that i was uh of the undertaker that was like what he no shook, he bro. shook he like shook. The, this is the first time i'm seeing undertaker shook from seeing his brother Kane. Yeah, PJ, talk to me, man, about the whole storyline, and then to you ultimately seeing Kane. Um, I have to pick it back off Black. It it wasn't it wasn't seeing Kane. It was just like how the Undertaker reacted mm-hmm. because Undertaker was known as like this scary figure yep. in, in WWE, yep. and then now we get to see. Somebody that's just as scary, <laughs> and I I feel like if if I if I would have saw if I was if in that watching that storyline for the like for the first time like in real time, I would have peed my pants, <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's just real talk because like looking at the size of Kane and how he ripped that the door off the cage. That was just uh, it, it it was scary uh e- even for me um so I mean like it was like a, a great storyline leading to their um their match at WrestleMania and like the the that whole rivalry was just um it's one of my favorite uh Undertaker rivalries Thanks. yeah yeah for me man um. Uh, and again, it was, I never forget, it was a Monday Night Raw. It was a Monday Night Raw, and Undertaker was addressing, um, I believe it was, I believe it was Shawn Michaels. I believe it was Shawn Michaels who he was addressing. And then Paul Bearer comes up on the screen, and he's like, Undertaker! He's alive! He's alive, young brother King! He's alive! And then it just fades out. And as 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 a member of the audience, I'm like, what? What just happened? But then they put the camera on Taker, and Taker's kind of like, kind of kind of taken aback, like, what the hell is Paul Bear talking about? And then we go in week after week, Paul Bear showing up, and I'm invested now. I'm like, who is Kane? Who is it? Who is he? What is he talking about? And then the two weeks before Bad Blood, because because Undertaker was doing double duty. He was dealing with Sean in DX, and then he was dealing with Paul Bearer and, you know, with the whole Kane thing. So, um, Undertaker had Shawn Michaels get ready to choke slam him, and then Paul Bearer 
shows up. Now he's there. Now he's at Raw. So he's not on the screen no more. He's at Raw. So he comes out and he tells a story about Kane is alive and he didn't die in the fire. And he he's coming. He's coming! Undertaker! He's coming! And we still don't know. So fast forward. I, to me, this is a top five storyline from WWE. Why? Because it was so much happening in one package. We got Hell in a Cell, a match we've never seen. We've never seen this cage structure like this ever. We don't know what's going on, you know, with this structure. Sean and Taker hate each other. They about to get it on. And you got Paul Bear screaming Kane. Fast forward through the match. Hell of a match. Sean and Taker, hell of a match. And then that gory music hits. That 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 music. And, 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 you, and, and still, I don't think no one who was watching... At that time, no one who was watching that time had to put two and two together and was like, oh, that's Kane. No one said that. If someone out there thought that they knew that was Kane, you know, appearing, please tell the truth and shame <laughs> the devil. Because I don't think that was the case. Nobody knew that. So, and, and, and at this time, you know, he didn't have the, the, the fireworks. He didn't have the fire like how it was then. Yeah. You know, he just came out. Red light, yeah. red and black mask, huge dude, big muscles, wet hair. He's walking to the rain. Undertaker is spooked. He is spooked. And, 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 and Jim Ross and, and Jerry the King Lawler and Vince McMahon, I encourage you to just listen to the commentary without watching the, the, the TV. Listen to how J.R. Vince and the King just did a beautiful job breaking down Kane. And then we see him. And I'm sitting there, because at that time we had to hook up on the bootleg uh, for the pay-per-view. So we watching, <laughs> we watching Bad Blood on channel 988. I don't know how they got <laughs> how they got it hooked up like that. But that's how we was watching it. And it was just a sight to see. He pick up Taker, tombstone him. You look at his arms, then he does the hands over the head and the big boom of fire like... Just a gratifying moment in WWE history. Sean rolls over and he gets the win. But I, I, I agree with Black and PJ. Like, bro, like, dog, like the feeling that you got looking at how looking at how Taker was just spooked and nervous. And then when you finally saw Kane and what he looked like with Paul Bear by his side, it was absolutely perfect. <laughs> it was absolutely perfect, man. So, all right, man. So let's get into another storyline. Let's get into another storyline. What do I have written down here? Let's get into Triple H and Cactus Jack versus Dude Love versus uh, Mankind. <laughs> but more in particular, let's get into the back-to-back matches that they had at Royal Rumble and at King of the Ring, I believe it yeah. was. Uh, one was Hell in a Cell. One was a uh, No Holds no Bar. No Holds Bar, oh, okay. yeah. That, that was um, that was Royal Rumble and No Way Out 2000. You're right, No yeah. Way Out. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about those two matches in particular. Let's kind of set it up. Triple H had ascended. He was the man. He was the WWF champion. But Triple H was still looking for his signature feud. He had his rock, him and rock went at it when they were, you know, climbing the ranks as Intercontinental Champion, but he hadn't had his moment. He hadn't had what people were saying, yeah, Triple H, he that dude, until he ran up against Cat Dish Jack. 
So those series of matches, the first one at the Rumble, the No Holds Barred match, and let's get into the Hell in a Cell. Uh, Black, what was your thoughts on um, those two matches, and how much more did Triple H elevate to uh, for you after those two matches? Man, um, Triple H's character went through the roof after that, after those matches for Facts. me, man. Like because I was always, I really, and you can ask, I really wasn't a big. Triple H guy. Mm. I really didn't like Triple H until he came out of them damn long tights <laughs> and put on the put on the put on the the, the, the undies. You know, so that's when I really started liking Triple H, man. Like, but the matches, the the no holes bar with Mick Foley. Mick Foley is one of my favorite matches of all time, man. Like these guys went at it. Like it was crazy, man. Like I mean, these guys had serious injuries in this match. Like, uh, it was looking at the documentary about it and Triple H, how he was saying, man, his 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 boot was so heavy and he just had a, a boot full of blood, man, from messing up his foot in that match, man. I mean, back and forth, back and forth. Like, the mat, and the match was super long. It was super long, man. I could just remember them going at it, man. It was it was crazy to watch. And then they go until they go into the no way out in the hell in the cell, man. And oh man, that was just that was just classic with with everything. Cause that's when that's when he used the spikes and all that. That was hell in the cell, right? That was that no holes barred. The that tax was, was, that, was Royal that, that was the tax was Royal Rumble. Okay, yeah. So the well the tax, man, that 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 whole thing, we had never seen that before. We had never not seen that, like, not not in WWF, and mankind brung those out and and sprayed them over the ring, and he was finna he was finna uh, power drive uh, uh, Triple H into into the the tax, yeah. but Triple H, Triple H turned it and flipped him into the tax, mm-hmm. and you seen uh, tri- I mean you seen mankind have tax in his face, all stuck in his face, <laughs> and his and it was like we was like, what are we watching? Like man, just like. Their matches was everything for me, man. Like, coming up, like, those matches were, like, some of the most intense. Like, you didn't want to get up. You had to see every, all of it. You couldn't Facts. miss none of it. Facts. And, like, why, being a grown man and, like, re-watching them now, it's still the same. Yeah, it's still yeah, the same, yeah. but you and, but now watching it, the documentaries of you getting a commentary of how they failed. Yep. We didn't know that as kids. And, and, yep. and, 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 and uh, Triple H knew. He was like, man, we had to give these matches everything we had because mm-hmm. we knew that we was going to take it to another level. Mm-hmm. And those matches uh, took the WWF to, uh, to the next level. Absolutely. Right. PJ, what was your thoughts, man, on Triple H and Mick Foley's? Mega matches. Uh, whenever I whenever I see uh Mick Foley versus Triple H, I know I'm gonna get a bloodbath. And yep. um, almost every time every time they got together and wrestled, um, that that's what I got. Um, you know, I think after the Royal Rumble 2000, that made me respect Triple H despite the fact that I didn't like him because he was a heel mm-hmm. but that made me respect him mm-hmm. as a as a wrestler yeah. just to see that he can go through all that and still you know come out on top yep. um Mick Foley um him going through the tax uh him being pedigree you know <laughs> into the tax um Hell in a Cell you know him uh being uh, thrown through the top of the cell, mm. like through the ring. Mm. 
I worry about that man. Like I just, <laughs> I, I'm just like, what, what is his assurance like? But you know, um, like that, that. That's why I love Mick Foley because like he he just like he he's just a daredevil and like yep. he he's willing to like risk his body yep. just for you know a, a good match or a good story. Facts and um. That that's my take on uh Triple H versus man, uh Mick Foley. Yeah, for me, uh the match at Royal Rumble and the match at No Way Out, to me, are top ten all time on my list. Especially the Hell in a Cell match. Look, the Royal Rumble match, the no holds bar match was one thing because they pushed the envelope. And at that time I was borderline on Triple H. I thought he was a good in-ring performer, but I didn't think his character matched up to what he was doing in the ring. I think Triple H has always been good in the ring, but his character and how he would talk and how he would kind of, you know, deliver his messages, they just weren't matching up. And it was perfect for him to turn into the game, you know, when he did, because that was the perfect fit for him. You know, the arrogant, superior athlete, um, you know, cutting corners, doing whatever he needed to do to stay on top. That was Triple H. Let the hair out of the ponytail, you know, put on the jean jacket, the jeans, the black boots, you know, the motorcycle look. That was him. Stephanie McMahon being right next to him completed, to me, it completed Triple H. Because she, when you looked at those two, she should not have been with Triple H. The most average person would look at a couple like that and be like, how did they get together? Yeah. But yeah. it was perfect because of what Stephanie was doing with her character as well. And she did a hell of a job. Yeah, she did. But, yeah, but back to Foley and, 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 and Hunter. Like, look, Mick Foley just doesn't care, bro. Whatever happens, it just happens. We watched the documentary. It's available on the WWE Network right now, The Untold. They have a beautiful hour documentary on these two matches. Terry Funk, McMahon, certain people beg Foley, do not climb the cage. You are not in any physical shape to go up that cage and end up having to come down that cage. Don't do it, Mick. This fool, Mick Foley, looked into the camera and said, I heard everything they were saying. But think of the pop. That's what he's saying. So he basically like, bro, all that, that y'all telling me, it just don't matter. I'm climbing up this thing and I'm just coming down. And that's what happened. Like he mm-hmm. ended up, you know, coming down. But I think all in all, this put Triple H over, just over, over the top. He is, he was an official main eventer. He was officially arrived as probably the guy at that time because mm-hmm. Austin was out. Rock had just left the company to go shoot the, the mummy or whatever the hell it was, Scorpion King. So they needed someone to fill these voids. And Triple H and, and Mick Foley did a hell of a job. You would think that, dang, there's no Stone Cold. There's no Rock. How was WWE surviving? I mean, you still had The Undertaker, but where is the the the, the big major impact matches going to come from? And it yeah. came from those two. So I think that was a great storyline uh, with Triple H and Mick Foley uh, turning into Cactus Jack um, uh, at the Royal Rumble and no mercy. All right, man. So let's see. Do you smell what The Rock is cooking? Oh, a little... A little now this used to mean one thing before the Jaguars. Can anybody tell me what this sound represented? Sable. 
Sable. Sable. Let's talk about the divas. Let's talk about the WWE WF divas. I'm just going to call a few of them out. Um, Off the top of my head, I had Sonny, Sable, Mm. Trish Stratus, Lita, Jacqueline, Deborah, Terry Reynolds. Those are the ones that really pop out in my head. And back in the G, we all knew what, and no disrespect, but I'm not trying to check for Mae Young, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Fabulous Moolah. I want to try to check for Medusa. I want to try to check for certain, uh, let's, be, let's keep it real. When, when women's wrestling would come on, it was time to go eat dinner, use the restroom, take a shower, get ready for school for the next day. You had about a good 10 <laughs> minutes to get your school clothes together, get your book bag together before you get back out to the next segment. Let's just keep it real. That's just what it was. But then that quickly went away. Yeah. (laughs) Sonny was the first. She was the first before they deemed it the diva era. Before Sable, before Trish Stratus, Sonny was first. She was the first beautiful, vibrant, charismatic character that made men all around the world say, yo, who is that? You know, I'm going to start checking out Sonny's, you know, segments on WWE and things like that. She was a manager for the Smoking Guns and she would come out and get the crowd hype. She was the first one that you laid your eyes on. You was like, whoa, what's going on here? And then they just start rolling in. But let's start with the biggest one. Let's start with the greatest diva. I think it's hands down. It's Sable. She was the one to really take this thing to the next level in the ring, out the ring, sex appeal. You had slobbing 18 to 34 year olds week in and week out, just just losing their minds. We know what her music would hit. So Black, talk to me about Sable and the Divas Division. As a matter of fact, tell me your favorite diva. Tell me your favorite diva and then get into the Divas Division. Well, man, uh back then as a kid, man, like, man, it was Sable, man. Okay. It was Sable, like. When you thought about Sable and that's when around that age, that's when you start getting interested in porn and then you went on there and seen Sable <laughs> and this thing Sable was doing, you were like, man, what did it be like to see like, the stuff off in the rain man it was crazy like to watch (laughs) it was crazy to watch man like it was must see tv like you wanted to see it that's why i was like man this is crazy that this was allowed on tv and we got to watch it all we got to watch it all but man like i'm sitting here thinking we was watching we was doing the other show like and i say sable man jacqueline was up there for me too i love jacqueline when Mm -hmm. she when she was uh with uh, D'Lo Brown and no uh, D'Lo she Brown. Mark Merrill. Mark Merrill. Merrill first. Yeah, yeah. Mark Merrill first and yeah. then with D'Lo, D-Lo Brown. Yeah. yeah, so her and Sable was really two good ones. And then I, I loved Lita too with the mm-hmm. Hardy Boys. Mm-hmm. Like, But I like her more, her wrestling, you know, with her in, in the, the ring. ring. I liked her in the ring when she would, would high fly off the top of the ropes okay. and everything. Okay. So uh, those three were really big for me, mm-hmm. uh, uh, for the Divas. Okay. PJ, talk to me, man. Give me your favorite Diva. And talk to me about uh, the diva era. All right. Uh, my favorite diva is Trish Stratus. Mm. Uh, just um, good looks mm-hmm. and wrestling ability. Absolutely. Um, I'll say, like, with Sable, she, she, was, she was great eye candy. Absolutely. Um, but, you know, <laughs> as, like, 
personality like she was just boring. She was mm-hmm. just yeah, she plain vanilla. Mm-hmm. So, you know, of course, you know, WWF just used her for, you know, just... Come watch just, our show. Yeah, come yeah. watch our show. Right. You know, we, we have boobs. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, man, like, I, I mean, I didn't really enjoy the women's division mm-hmm. until... Uh, like I, I, I didn't really like. I, I like Jacqueline, and but I, I didn't really get into like Tori and uh, Stacy Keebler, Ivory, and all those other people. But yeah. I, I did enjoy like you know the Brian panties matches. Absolutely. Whenever, when whenever they, whenever they had Brian yeah, panties yeah, matches, yeah. hey, I'm, I'm there. I'm there. I'm you know. There. Um, there. but you know, I love Lita. You know, she. You know, she could wrestle, yes. you know, with, with the best of them, yeah. you know, with the men and women. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, I know a, a, a lot of people don't view China as a diva mm-hmm. because because of she just hang with mostly the men, but yeah. I I consider her as a diva. You okay. know, she she's one of the one of the greatest of all time. She joined know? the party late, the diva yeah. party late. And right. You, and you said that too, D, you made a good point. Uh you was talking about how uh, WWE changed her her style, made her to more of a sex symbol. Yeah. Not this just they did a great massive job. women and then, you know, after that was over with, after that kind of dried up, they was like, well, we're gonna turn China yeah. into this into this sex symbol. They did a you great know, job. from her being on Playboy yeah. and doing everything like that. Like yeah. you didn't see China as the massive wrestler woman you're scared of. You <laughs> people looked at China like a sex symbol. She was a sex symbol. She was. Like you love to was. watch China come down after she didn't slimmed up Absolutely. and her body looks right. Yes. You'd be like, oh yeah, China got it. Yeah. Yeah. Facts, <laughs> facts, facts, facts. Yeah, um, the the the, the uh, divas division. Um, I loved it. You know, I'm 17 <laughs> years old, and 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 and, and, I'm, and I'm and I'm hot and bothered. Um, at 17, <laughs> at 17, 17 years old, and when you see a Sable, man, you see a Sunny, and you see a Trish and a Lita and a Deborah and 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 Jacqueline. When you see them, you're just like, oh man, like all of y'all are just a sight to behold. <laughs> but there were only a few that were good in the ring, and that was Trish and that was Lita. They mm-hmm. were the Jacqueline was pretty good, she but was she okay. was on the ground, like she couldn't really high fly and do what Lita, Lita was, was doing, doing and yeah. Trish was doing. She she couldn't do that. And Lord knows Tara Reynolds was trash and and Deborah was trash. I don't know how they became women's champion, but I think all in all, the WWE was just playing to the times. Their their new uh, 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 age group was 18 to 35-year-old men. Mm-hmm. And what do 18 to 35-year-old men want to see? They want to see boobs. <laughs> they want to see swimsuits. Yeah. They want to see thongs. They want to see legs. They want to be treated when they're out to this show. Broad panties matches the puppies. Shout out to the king <laughs> for the puppies. Like it was just great. And I never get my mom walked in on me and my brother. <laughs> Watching um, a bra and panties match. It was Lita and it was Trish Stratus. And my mom walked in and she seen them and they was wrestling. Trish Stratus was already about to fall out of her bra. You know, Lita had the thong all the way up. So my mom, I know she saw that, but she kind of looked and didn't say nothing at first. And then when she double backed and seen Trish Stratus in her thong and, and just all out. 
Yep, bedtime. Let's go. Let's let <laughs> let's go. We're not doing this tonight. We're like, oh my, it's just we won't watch this part. We got GX versus the nation coming up. We gotta see that. But she wasn't really having it, man. So I think all in all, the diva division served the purpose. Yeah, it did. They served the purpose. And um, I think, you know, that led to the the the, the women's division of wrestling being the greatest that it's ever been now. Yeah. You know, because they were able to get in the ring. They were able to be beautiful and be talented. And you could be entertained with a Trish Stratus and leader for the for the women's title. That was an interesting, entertaining match. It was. So they served the purpose and they and they delivered. And to me, I, I believe that they delivered. All right. So we got a few, a couple more topics here, man. And we're gonna wrap up uh, this attitude uh era special. So let's get into the shows. Monday Night Raw. Smackdown, Sunday Night Heat. We were being blessed three times a week to see our favorites, whether it was Undertaker, the Stone Cold, the Mick Foley, the uh, Triple H, the DX, Nation Dominant. We was treated. So I want to ask you guys, what was your life like knowing that you wanted to be in front of a TV three times out of the week to catch Raw, Smackdown, and Sunday Night Heat? What was your life like, Black? Oh, uh, well, I know two of them was on church night, so I knew I had to get up. I either had to hope church was going to be over yeah. or either play hooky and be like, mom, my stomach hurt. Yeah. I'm going to go fishing with dad. And I know yeah. if I went fishing with dad, I'm going to be back home be in time. Home. Yeah, That's in right. time for Sunday Night Heat. Sunday That's Night right. Heat was my favorite show. Okay. Along with, I, I love Sunday Night Heat and I love Raw as well. I, lo- I, I loved them all because it was, it was three days out the week. We got entertainment, you know, being young, being 15, 16 years old, three days a week watching, uh, watching Stone Cold, watching DX, watching Triple H at The Rock. You know, we loved it. And that's when I mean, that's when everybody was doing all three shows. It was on all all of the shows at one time. So it, it was very entertaining, man. But I love uh, I love Sunday Night Heat. Sunday Night Heat was the uh, one of my favorite shows out of the three, man. I I, I just really loved everything about it. Mm-hmm. It's like it, they took it up a notch for Sunday Night Heat, and then you had Raw double back the next night, yep. and they just picked up what's what Sunday Night Heat mm-hmm. uh, left off at. But I enjoy all three shows in this in in its entirety. Okay, PJ, talk to me about your your shows, man. Like, what was you at? What how your life was consumed by Raw, SmackDown, and Heat? Uh, I was very consumed by all three of them. Mm-hmm. Um. But I mean, well, when I when I didn't have cable, like I was just looking forward to SmackDown for because sure. it was on UPN. Right. But um, you know, I and you know, every now and then, you know, I would catch Raw Saturday Night Heat, mm-hmm. you know, watch D Lo Brown versus Prince Albert or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um But <laughs> <laughs> you know, I could like it was a it was a treat for me because it was like you know the next day at school I would you would talk to your friends and recap on what happened last mm-hmm. what happened the night before mm-hmm. and um you know I was just consumed by it and um just right. especially like Sunday night heat before the pay per views mm-hmm. like those those were like you know great great mm-hmm. so I mean I, I was um very consumed by all three shows facts i mean for me man it was round the clock my whole week was planned upon uh raw 
uh, SmackDown and Sunday Night Heat. Like at this time, at this point in time, certain superstars, you know, weren't on selective shows. So The Rock was on Heat, Raw, and SmackDown. <laughs> Stone Cold was on all three. The Undertaker was on all three. And like PJ said, the Sunday Night Heat's right before pay-per-views was the best. <laughs> was the best, man. I remember the uh, halftime Heat that they did during the Super Bowl with the empty arena match with uh, Mick Foley and The Rock. Yeah. Uh, for the championship, like I remember that. I remember halftime on the Super Bowl. Me f- going into the other room because my pops wouldn't allow me to change the channel. You know, I had to go into the other room and watch Rock and Mankind do their thing on Sunday night heat, and then get back to the game. So all in all, my life was consumed, and this is how bad it was. Me and Fred, uh, for people who don't know, me and Fred are blood cousins, like first blood cousins, our mothers and sisters. We put, we took two VCRs, right? Set them on top of each other, had extension cords with two TVs, and we would record throughout the week. So Fred would have to record Raw, because at one point in time, I didn't have cable. Then I would have to record SmackDown, and then Fred would have to record Heat. We would get together and swap takes out, and we'll watch <laughs> and, you know, revisit. Like, that's how crazy it was, you know, for us, man. So... I might have saw Raw a day late, but I would fake the fuck when I got to school like I seen it. And then when I get home, I know I was going to uh, get the, the tape from Fred. So we had these tapes, man, with all of these episodes from Raw and SmackDown just recorded on VHS. I'm telling my age right now, but that's what we was doing. We was recording these shows. So pretty much, you know, my life was pretty much consumed, making sure I was in the know and following these storylines week in uh, and week out. All right, so let's see. We're going to get into a little bit of Did You Knows. And uh, before we get out of the lab, let's see. Let's play one more joint, man. Who was in the Attitude Era really doing their thing, man? Let's see. One character who probably not going to get enough love, and he sure should. Matter of fact, let's show my dog some love. Mamacita. Great Eddie Guerrero, real quick, man. Let's talk about Eddie, man. Um, I know Eddie was on the tail end of the Attitude Era, but I tell you what, man, when he got there, when he got his opportunity to be on WWF, man, he shined. Yes, he did. He shined. He really did his thing. He overachieved. He did way more than what was possible for him. And, um, you know, just salute, man. Shout out, rest in peace to the late, the great Eddie Guerrero. All right. All right, so a couple of did you knows. Now, of course, champions, man. I want to ask you guys. Let's see if you guys know this answer. During the Attitude Era, PJ and Black, can you tell me who held the WWE Championship the most? Now, we're going back from November of 1997 until May 2002. Before we got into the next era. Who? Yep, May in 2002. That's that's what they got it as. So, Mm. who held the WWF championship the most? Oh, Mm. man. That's a good one. I'm going to go... Uh, I'm going to go Stone Cold. Stone Cold Steve Austin. Okay. How about you, PJ? Who do you think had 
the championship the most. I'm going to say Stone Cold as well. Wrong. Mm. Wrong. The Rock held the WWF championship the most with six title reigns. Stone Cold had five title reigns. And he was also tied with Triple H for five title reigns in the WWF Attitude Era. So that's from November 1997 to May of 2002. That's where the WWE is saying uh, that that was the attitude era. Because right after that was the radical era when uh, McMahon bought WCW and they okay. went on into the next era. So, yeah, The Rock held it the most times. Okay, let's have one more question here. Let's see, let's see. I had it, I had it, and now I got it. Okay, who held the WWF championship the least of Mount? Of times in the attitude area, the least amount of time. Mm. Mm. The least amount of time. The least amount of times. Who held it the least? Um, in that era. Yeah, attitude era. Attitude era only. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Shawn Michaels. Wrong. He did not hold it in the Attitude Era at all. Yeah, he did. Not the WWF Championship. No, he didn't. Mm-hmm. When? The, the Attitude Era, was, the, he held it from November 97. No, I'm saying he was champion when it was introduced. Sean was a champion yeah. as the Attitude Era, but after he lost it, mm-hmm. he never became WWF champion again. Okay. Ugh. Never. He was a champion going in. You all right about that. Mm-hmm. But when he lost to Austin... He never became WWF champion again. He became world champion. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'm going to go with Mick Foley. Least amount. You are correct. You are correct. Mick Foley was a one time. And when he beat The Rock. When he beat The Rock. Yeah. WWF oh, champion. Oh, man. Well, he, um, he won the championship at SummerSlam, too. Uh, SummerSlam 99 when he beat. Um, Hold on. You, you are correct. The least amount was Vince McMahon. Mm. One time. Oh, okay. One time. Yeah. Vince McMahon, you are right. Mick Foley had a two-time reign in the Attitude Era. Uh, Vince McMahon had a one-time reign when he beat Triple H. Triple H? He beat Triple H for the title. Okay, okay. I thought it was The Rock he beat. He okay. beat Triple H for okay. the title. All right. All right, so last. Last question. What was the highest rated segment? Meaning, how many viewers were watching television when this one segment took place in the Attitude Era. The oh. biggest moment ever in Attitude Era history, according oh, uh, to the viewers. The Godfather, the whole the whole train. The Godfather. You're incorrect. Um, <laughs> this is your life, Rock. Correct. <laughs> correct. This is your life. Mick Mankind and The Rock uh, had the biggest televised moment in the Attitude Era. History. Good job, PJ. Good job on that. Hey, you good, PJ. Yeah, good job on that. Hey, right. I thought the whole train, his little thing, man. Oh, man. Yeah. All right, so let's go. So we're getting we're towards the end of the show now. We're going to give our final thoughts on the Attitude Era, just our overall experience with it. But the end of the Attitude Era came in 2002. Uh, Vince McMahon buys WCW, meaning the war is over. Uh, they had a great storyline with Shane intervening and buying WCW and creating the invasion and all that uh, taking place. And then the WWE uh, shifted into its next era. So all in all, guys, final thoughts on the Attitude Era. 
What do you, what will stay with you? What comes to mind when you think Attitude Era for you personally? Man, um, Attitude Era changed my life <laughs> as a young kid. Oh, it gave me a, coffin, a confidence I didn't know I had about myself. Um, just the, the, some of the things I wanted to say and some of the things I wanted to do. Okay. Uh, the Attitude Era provided that for me. Okay. You know, and um, I got a lot of bumps and bruises, you know, <laughs> that me and D can speak of from the Attitude Era. A lot of yep. broken, a broken bed. A lot of broken beds. Yeah, a lot of yes. broken beds. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. Uh, yes, bro. <laughs> yeah, it, it got real heated. Yeah, I'm almost staying yeah. in peace. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean from from Lim Turner from Lim Turner all the way to Addis, yes, bro. Got we got down, we got busy mm-hmm. uh through the attitude era, man. I mean just man, overall that's true entertainment. When I tell my my oldest son now, when I tell him Man, this is nothing compared to Attitude Era. No way. Like he don't even like watching this wrestling. Now he goes back to on on the network and watch Attitude Era stuff. Yeah. Cause he, he it's just like it's new to him to watch. And he was like, they was doing this on TV. I yep. was like, yeah. Weekly. Yeah. And if your mom knew you was watching it now, she may have a problem <laughs> with it. But man, just Attitude Era in this old like Vince and those creative man, they did a great job, man. With Attitude Era, it was much needed. It was much needed. Uh, I always say, and I know D would say the same, we were blessed to have the best era of wrestling all time. The Attitude Era. And I don't think it'll never get no better than that. Facts. But man, I'm just everything about it from all from all the different characters, not just the main characters that everyone know yeah. from 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 the littlest characters that people really didn't know or didn't pay attention to, mm-hmm. like the uh the Al Snows and those type of guys, like Big Boss Man, you know the Dudley Boys. Yep. All, I mean, yep. everybody like just just everything about that era yep. embodies wrestling and what it was, what Facts. it's supposed to be like. Facts. Facts. Nice. PJ, give me your final thoughts, man. What would an attitude error mean? What does an attitude error mean for you? And you know, how is it? Has it? How did it impact you? You know, growing up. Um, just like you two, um, it, it brought me in a lot of trouble. Um, <laughs> just um, like I just enjoyed the fact that you know it was it was very entertaining from beginning to end. This is. A era that um is we we're not gonna see this again. Nope. And you know we all of us all three of us yeah were blessed to um experience it in real time. Yep. And um I just enjoyed how you know every show it was um you were glued to it from every match. Mm-hmm. From beginning to end, like you ain't take no bathroom breaks. Uh, <laughs> you couldn't, you couldn't afford yeah, to. Yeah, you couldn't. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, um, I mean, I, I mean, like I, I go through the WWE network and I watch it. You know, whenever, whenever I can. Facts. You know, whenever I get, whenever I get that itch of like just trying to relive uh, a ten year old PJ. You know, I, I just go, I go ahead and, and watch SmackDown yeah. or watch Raw. Yeah. So you know, I miss it. Yeah. And, um. You know, that's me. That's what's up. For me, man, it was uh, it was a, it was, it's probably one of the greatest times of my life. You know, because <laughs> what it did for me, what it did for you know my with my brothers, you know, you know, with Ernest and which is black by the way, and Brandon and. 
which is my brother and 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 Fred and Sherrod, like we and other guys who we grew up with, we kind of formed like this bond. You know, like this, 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 we're locking arms about wrestling. You know what I'm saying? Week in and week out. And I was given the gift of wrestling from my dad. You know what I'm saying? Like my dad was a big wrestling fan in the 80s. Ricky the Dragon, Steamboat, you know, Andre the Giant, Hulk Hogan, Big John Studd, the Junkyard Dog. You like, like different Terrace Funk, you know, Ric Flair, like Barry Windham. Like those are the guys that my dad was watching. And then he rolled me right into it. You know, but for me, when it came personal, was the Attitude Era. Like Black said, you know, it molded and it shaped and changed my life. You know what I'm saying? Because week in and week out, I felt like I had something that mattered to me. You know what I'm saying? Like I wanted to be a part of and and week in and week out, I would go to school and talk to my friends. And then I would talk to Fred, Sherrod and and Black and, 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 you know, we would just, and my brother, and we would just, you know, just always have great times and we would kick it, man. And, and I can't. I can't say that I can't say it enough how much, you know, that era, you know, made me feel alive. You know, it made me it gave me a sense of purpose. It, 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 it was it was it was a great time. It was just a party weekend and week out. And I know a lot of people for all of our wrestling listeners and supporters, a lot of people don't understand us. They don't understand us. You know, when we when my when my wife comes in and I'm watching like some some wrestling, she still gives me the look. You know, you still watching wrestling. But it's starting to give me some, excuse me, some great joy because now my son is starting to get into wrestling. You know, like the John Cena and the Roman Reigns, like he loves like the Miz. It trips me out that he digs the Miz. You know what I'm saying? And and uh a uh, Braun Strowman, like he's into it. And then the one thing that gives me uh, a good heart about it. Like he'll sit there and watch Charlotte Flair versus uh, uh Sasha Banks. He'll and he's he, oh, he's like oh like he's entertained. And that lets me know like man, wrestling has come so far because mm-hmm. now my son is entertained by you know the women's part of it, which are great in my opinion. Charlotte Flair is the greatest pound for pound there is right now, but that's another conversation. But um, all in all, the Attitude Era was great. Really appreciate it, and it holds such great value, not only for me, but obviously PJ and Black as well, man. So, so yeah, man, we're going to play uh, a couple of more quick things, man, that we're going to get out of here, man. And uh, I remember my, my pops used to get a kick uh, out of this brother's music right here. It's sexual, baby. And I want to give it all. Yeah, right on. I know it's gonna be good to you. Let's go to another one. One, two, this on? Triple H's first music. His first solo music. I'm a nice man. Black stayed in trouble. Yeah, I'm a nice man. Yeah. 
ready to get out of here, man. The Attitude Era, I mean, almost 25 years. It was such a, uh, uh, it's such a privilege, man, to sit down with, uh, with uh, Black PJ and us talk, man, about this great, you know, historic uh, era that made a big, big difference um, in our lives, man. So this has been uh, uh, the Reduced Lunch Action Sports News Desk Special Edition. The Attitude Era. This is for all of our wrestling fans, all of our wrestling supporters, man. You know, um, hopefully you guys, you know, entertain this or entertained by this. You guys dig this and shoot us your feedback. You know, you know, talk to us, man. Hit us up on Twitter, hit us up on Instagram at Reduce Fun Sports, and uh, talk to us, man. If y'all want to hit us up about a pin we might have had uh, on a one-on-one thing, you can find me at Dedrick Hicks Jr. On Twitter and Instagram, Black, what can they get up at you? And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Black ENL3. Y'all hit me up, man. Yes, sir. PJ, what can they talk to you, man? Hey, you can find me on Twitter at underscore PJ Darrell and Instagram PJ Darrell. Yes, sir. So this has been a special edition, and we're going to leave you with a little bit of tunes. Do you smell what the rock is cooking? Fatty for this pimp daddy. Light that blood up and say.